Well, good morning and welcome to part four of our walk through 1 Corinthians. I want to ask you a question this morning. And maybe you don't want to answer this question. Maybe you do. I don't know. Have you ever bought something because of a great presentation? Man, they just, they had, they hit all the right buttons. They shined it all up. And, and maybe you've watched Shark Tank and you see these, the, these entrepreneurs come in and they pitch their ideas and they've got it all, man, all of the props, everything in place. And they've got the gimmick and all of that. And it's a great presentation. Maybe you've bought something from a presentation like that. And you got home, and it wasn't exactly what you thought it was. It was kind of not as glitzy and glamorous as what you thought it would be. Maybe it didn't function quite the way you thought it should. And it was a little bit disappointing, right? Sometimes those, those presentations, did they reel you in. That's the design. That's what marketing does. We as Americans love a great presentation, whether it's for advertising. Man, I know a ton of people that watch the Super Bowl for one reason, Super Bowl commercials. And the funny thing is, is those commercials don't ever, half the time they don't even advertise what they're really selling. Uh, it's just more the entertainment value to get that brand out there. But we love a great presentation. I love going to theater because I love to see how people put that play together. I love watching the production side of it. And, and some of you know that our family is involved in theater and, and I do sound and, we, and Robbie does video and all of that. And, and I love seeing it from that side. I love the production side of things. Well, Corinth was a, the, the people that Paul wrote to in Corinth. Remember, we're talking about Corinthians. They loved presentations. They loved great speeches. They had, their society was built around that. Their society was built around two things, knowledge and presentation. Knowledge and presentation. The leaders, those people that were looked up to were the ones that were great communicators. They could present things well. They had all of this knowledge and so they were lifted up. Think about it. We're not that different today, but here's the deal. We love knowledge and we love a presentation. We're not that different. The thing is, we have things at our fingertips. If you want to know something, what do you do? You Google it. You just go to your phone or your computer or your tablet and you get there on Google or maybe you ask Siri or Alexa and just ask the question and you get the information. It's pretty simple. We love to have that knowledge, don't we? And then we love those presentations that draw us in. I think about this, take Google even out of the picture. Maybe you're trying to fix something. Maybe your washing machine broke or something broke on your car and, and you're, you don't want to call somebody in. Maybe you don't want to pay the money to have somebody come in. What do you do? You go to YouTube. You can watch a video on almost anything. People have made videos out there on how to fix a ton of stuff. And so we have all of this knowledge, we have these presentations, we have all of this stuff that we, that are right at our fingertips and we love that. The problem is there is a ton of bad information out there and you can put a good presentation and share something that's not exactly true or not exactly what we say it is. And so you have all of this stuff. Think about this, drug companies. Why do drug companies spend millions and billions of dollars advertising, advertising drugs to cure everything from cancer to skin problems, all of this stuff that you can't even go buy? 
without a prescription from a doctor? Why do they spend so much money and all of this time advertising to us if we can't physically go buy it? Well, they know that if, we can, if they can put it in our heads enough and we get it and they have the right uh, presentation, that we're going to go to our doctors and we're going to say, you know what, I, I'm dealing with this. Maybe you already know you have the condition. Maybe you've already been diagnosed with it. Or maybe you just start Googling things and you think, oh, wow, I've got this problem or that problem. They go to their doctor and they pester their doctor until the doctor says, okay, yeah, I will give you this. Or yes, maybe that will help. And so this whole idea of presentation and knowledge and all of these things sometimes can be a false sense of security. Sometimes they lead us down roads we don't want to go. Sometimes they give us pride in presentation that, that as pastors and as communicators, we can get prideful of our presentation and the way we do things. And if you remember the last time we came together, Paul talked about that a little bit. So this is kind of the culture of what was happening in Corinth. Not that different. Lots of knowledge was, you know, knowledge was looked at as, and put in a high place. And so was a great presentation. So Paul comes up and, and in chapter two, this is where we're going to be. In chapter two, we're going to look at how Paul presented the gospel and why he presented it that way. Remember, they loved their knowledge they loved the good presentation. Could you imagine if the people of Corinth had social media and the internet? Man, they've been going crazy with those things. They would have been posting their videos and think about TikTok, think about Instagram, think about these places where people put themselves out there and try to, try to engage people through their presentation. It's just a part of how we function. So Paul chose a very different path to share the gospel with the, Cor the Corinthians. He knew. He knew what they were into. He knew what was going on. He knew that they really put value on somebody that had knowledge, that could put together a, a well-crafted speech, a well-crafted presentation. And he chose a much different approach. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 out of the New Living Translation. So let's look at that together. It says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, again, this is Paul speaking, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I titled this first point, Holy Spirit versus Human Wisdom. Remember the last verse there in verse 5, it says, I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Now, I kind of laugh when I read this, when it says I, I came in weakness and timid and trembling. I'm like, yeah, I, I relate to this, man. I'm on the Paul plan for speaking because I'm not, the, you know, I, I don't think we do the most flashy and all of the stuff. We have some, we have great presentation and, and, and Robbie does a great job with the editing and everything. But 
We're not about the flash. We're not about all of that stuff. We just want you to hear the word of God. And that's what Paul was saying. He was led by the spirit. I believe that the spirit of God, and he confirms that, led him to give a much different approach, a much more timid and humble approach to showing them who Jesus is and what the gospel is really about. He didn't try and do flashy presentation. He didn't try and impress them with his verbal speech and all of his knowledge. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee. He was a zealot. Remember, he tried to persecute Jesus. If you go all the way back to the book of Acts, you'll know that Paul tried to eliminate the church. He, he actually was a part of Christians being martyred. It doesn't say that he physically did it, but he said he gave his approval. He was somebody that was learned. He, he sat at the feet of great um, Jewish teachers. Paul could have given an amazing presentation, used all the knowledge that he had and, and built this great story. But instead, led by the Spirit, it says that he came humbly, that he did something completely different than they were used to and simply presented who Jesus was. He put it in very plain focus. See, when someone's moved by a good presentation and when they're, when they're drawn in by all the flash and all of the stuff, when you strip all of that stuff away, a lot of times they feel empty and leave because they weren't drawn to the message or what was there. They were drawn to the presentation. I think sometimes, and this is just my opinion, that sometimes we do that in our own church services. We do it specifically in the music side. We, we get flash and, and, and lights and fog machines and all of this stuff. And sometimes in the, in the attempt to create a great environment, we distract from the gospel. We distract from true worship. And, and look, we've had that stuff and, and we've stripped it down to be much simpler. And I think led by the Spirit to do so. And I know a lot of churches still do those things. This isn't a knock on what they're doing, but it's a question. Do we care more about the flash and the glitz and the glamour and all of that stuff of the presentation than we do worship God? Can you worship God in a service that has all of the stuff and then worship Him in the same way in a service that's very stripped down? Really, the worship should not change no matter what environment you're in because that's the intimate thing you're doing between you and God. But sometimes we get this presentation and, and it draws people in. But unless they are truly connected to the power, to the Holy Spirit, to who God is, we often miss what's right before us. We miss those moments with Him. I, I heard it once that a pastor told me one time, we were talking about people coming to churches and he said something that I thought was pretty profound. He said, you know, what draws somebody to your church is the same reason they'll leave. Basically saying if they're drawn by uh, a specific activity or a specific part of your church, and if that changes at all, then they're going to go look for another church that has that, it fills that same hole. 
So it, it, we're, we're kind of wired that way. And if, if we're looking for that presentation, if we're focused on the presentation, sometimes we, we miss the point. Those things Paul knew, and he was guided by the Holy Spirit. He knew that knowledge and presentation were points of pride for the Corinthian people. That's what they base, based their social value on. That's what the people that they looked up to were those people. And it's not that different in our culture today. We put movie stars and athletes and people that do these great things that we see on TV all the time. We put them up in places and, and we rely on them for politics and we rely on their opinions for all these other things just because they have a platform. They may not have any knowledge in those things, but just because of their social standing, we, we look up to them. And so we get things out of whack and, and, and distorted because we're looking at the wrong things. Paul wanted the people to understand the gospel at its core, at its root, without the presentation, without the flashy words. If you remember in the first chapter of Corinthians, Paul kind of said, look, man, we don't need your, your elevated speech and all of that stuff. Actually, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, I want you to, to look at this. And Paul's using a little bit of sarcasm here. It says in verse 20, it says, So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for a sign from heaven. It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. You see, outside of the Holy Spirit, it's required for anybody to understand the gospel. Uh, that's good news for us. We don't have to be... We don't have to know every word that's in Scripture by heart and have it memorized, although that's not a bad thing. It's just not a requirement. The Holy Spirit works through us to share these things. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people in. It's the Holy Spirit that breaks down those walls and rips open the veils so that people can understand the gospel. We're called to share the gospel with everything, everybody we meet. That's part of our mission. That's the mission that, that God gave us. The cool thing is it's not about our knowledge. It's not about how knowledgeable we are about Scripture. It's about how we're obedient to the Holy Spirit. How we follow His leading. See, the Holy Spirit does two things. He's, he's working on the side of the person that needs to know Jesus. And He's breaking down those barriers and He's softening their heart. And then He's working on us to be obedient to represent Jesus in those moments through the way we live, through the things we say, just being obedient, that's our job. He'll lead us what to do and what to say. Now, don't let that be an excuse for laziness. You still need to study the Bible. You still need to know the Word of God. You still need to grow in your own relationship because that's how you represent Him. Because when you know the Word of God, when you allow it to change you from the inside out, that comes pouring out into those conversations. It also is how the Holy Spirit will bring to your memory things that you've learned so that you can share those things at the right moment and at the right time.
See, it's not about you being a great communicator. It's about you being obedient to the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us so that we can follow God's plan. See, if we rely on our talent and our ability to be a good communicator, then we take the Holy Spirit out of the equation and eventually it catches up to us. Eventually we either fall on our face because of our own pride or we get off track and lead people down a wrong direction. Several years ago, we were, uh, we were helping train some people in youth ministry and we were at a church that, that we were leading and, and a, there was a young man that was studying in college to go, he wanted to go in, into youth ministry and so we came in and had him speak to our youth and he, he shared and, and he used all of these big words and took all of his knowledge that he had and he just shared this message that just went way over the heads of the, the kids that we had. I mean, it, they, they were like deer in headlights. They had no idea what he was talking about. And so part of that teaching thing is when I, when I have somebody do something like that, I sit down with them and say, hey, you know, you did a good job on this. Here's something you may want to think about in the future. And I said, man, you, you can't use these big words. They're, they're, they doesn't connect with them. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate with them. And, and this really broke my heart, what he said to me. He goes, you know, they just need to get on my level. I don't need to lower myself to them. They need to get up to where I am. Broke my heart. Because, see, that's pride. That's pride in his own knowledge. That's pride in his own ability to do those things. That's not following God. And, and I hope that he learned that lesson. I hope that at some point he learned a lesson that, look, you need to be able to communicate where people are. Not tell them that they need to be where you are. And so there's that pride and all of that stuff. And, and Paul wanted them to know that it wasn't because he was a great communicator. It wasn't because he was the best at presenting something. He wanted them to know the gospel of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do the work. He was led by the Spirit to tone it down, to strip it all away, and just simply present the gospel. So that's the job. We rely on the Holy Spirit to do those things. The second thing we're going to learn in Chapter 2 is that the Spirit reveals the deeper things of God. For those of us that are believers, He reveals deeper things. He's the one that takes us to that next level. It's not because somebody did this great preaching and teaching. Now, we hope that pastors and evangelists and people that present to us are listening to the Word of God and they're hearing it and they're sharing and showing us things. But at the same time, it's not because they're great presenters. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. When I pray and, and ask God to show me out of the Scripture how to do this, I study, I read, I research, but I also listen to the Holy Spirit on the direction that I need to go and what I need to share. And many times, what God shares with me and what comes out sometimes is just totally through the Holy Spirit, not anything that I have in my notes. My notes are a guideline. But it's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. It's not because I have some great wisdom. It's because I'm connected to the power of God and He reveals those things. I want to look at, at chapter 2, 
verses 6 through 12, and it talks about those deeper, God taking us to the deeper things. Let's look at verse 6 together. This is, yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit, For the Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Did you catch that? As believers, we've been given the Spirit of God so that we can know the mind of God. That's pretty crazy, right? Now, we can't know everything about God. Our minds can't conceive all that God is and everything that God knows. But we can know the heart of God in certain situations and in the direction that we're going and in our lives because we have His Spirit and His Spirit will speak to us, will show us. That is amazing. That is awesome. That is a free gift that God has given us. Now, like I said, we're not going to know everything. But we need to put our trust in Him and trust that because He knows everything, because He knows all situations, that He's going to lead and guide us through them. That He's going to show us what we need to do. We can assume that through everything, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us. We can assume that through all things, the Holy Spirit is going to guide what we need to say and what we need to do. It doesn't mean that we're not in control. But when we're listening and actively responding to the Spirit, God will help us in all situations. We can't know what God is thinking or doing outside the Holy Spirit. Now, I love the illustration that Paul said here. He said, only the person's own spirit knows what they're truly thinking. You can have... A conversation with somebody and you can assume what they're thinking, you can assume what's going on based on body language and different things, but we really truly don't know. We truly don't know if somebody's lying to us, we truly don't know if somebody's really telling us everything and and all of that, but their own spirit does. And Paul shows that, hey, God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can know those things, that we can know his heart so that we can know His direction, so that when we read Scripture, He can reveal those truths to us, that He can show us the deeper things, that we can mature. Look at it this way, Ephesians 1.13 says this, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. He gave us the Holy Spirit, and we learned this in John last year, that He gave us the Holy Spirit to teach us things, to remind us of what we've learned, to show us those deeper things. What a gift! 
What a gift the Holy Spirit is. It breaks my heart when we ignore the Holy Spirit. We, we focus on Jesus. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, you have God the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes we kind of forget about the Holy Spirit. And, and we, we don't think about or understand His role. The Holy Spirit's role is, is God's active power in our lives today. He's in us, He's with us, He's for us, and He's guiding and directing us. He makes things come to life. He draws the power of God. And through us, He does healings, He does all kinds of things through the Holy Spirit. It's God's presence, it's His mind working in and through us. This is a free gift. It doesn't matter your education, your background, what you've done. It's given to all believers. And then as we mature, God will reveal more and more of his will and his plans to us as we're no longer babies. 1 Peter 2.2 says this, Like newborns, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for that nourishment. When you first come to Christ, you're like an infant. You're, just, you're drinking it all in. You're learning every opportunity you can so that you can mature and understand those deeper things. problem is some of us have never matured. Some of us never go past that salvation moment. We come in and, and we, we hear superficial messages. Maybe we don't even read the scripture at all. Maybe we're just like, hey, I'm saved. I'm good. And so we never get to know God on a deeper level. It only comes through the Holy Spirit and studying His Word. Hebrews kind of addresses people that are in that, stuck in that mode. That I heard it put this way, that you know you, you could look at your salvation and, and Jesus called it kind of being born again, kind of almost like another birthday. And I heard a pastor say one time, yeah, you're celebrating your first birthday as a Christian for the 70th time, saying basically for 70 years you've been this new Christian. You've never grown, never developed depth. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us mature. Remember, we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit. He grows that fruit, helps us to mature. We're able to go to deeper things. We're able to understand more and more about God as we grow and mature. And the beauty of it is, is really, as you grow deeper in Him, you realize how much of Him you really don't know. You realize that there's so much more to God. And, and you realize that some of the things that you thought were really important, like great presentations and all this stuff, really don't mean anything when it comes right down to who Jesus is and the basics of who He is. You see, a mature believer can walk into any situation, any place of worship, whether the music is what they like or what they don't like, and enter into worship of God. They can hear the Word of God and they can discern through the Spirit whether what's being spoken is of God or whether it's off base. They can teach others about who Jesus is, about His character, about understanding what's important. Remember, when you strip it all away, 
Jesus told us the greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That's the very basic. Mature, mature believer understands that every part of his life is wrapped up into that. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. To strip away what your wants and needs are and, and to put those things aside and to love somebody that needs to know Jesus. To love somebody that, that needs help to care for those that are around you. Yeah, it's, it's good to have ambition. It's good to want to excel at your job that you make money at. It's, it's great to, to be good at all of those things. But at the end of the day, what really matters is your relationship with God and how you represent Him to others. That's maturity. That's growing to a place where you truly trust God in all things and know that the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the blessings that He's given you in this world all come through Him and His Holy Spirit working through you. See, human wisdom says, go out there and just do it all for yourself. Get everything for yourself. Accumulate wealth. Accumulate all these things. Human wisdom says, well, if I go and accumulate all those things, I can do more for God. When the truth is, is that when we focus on doing all that stuff, we really miss the purpose that God's given us. See, that's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit living in us versus the wisdom of this world. And that's what God wants to do. We want to rely on the Holy Spirit, not on the world, wisdom of the world. Man isn't going to save us. The power of God through what Jesus did on the cross is the only thing that's going to save us when we put our trust in Him. So here's some takeaways for today. One, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? That looks like in, in, developing in our lives a healthy prayer life that is not just at certain times of the day, but that is ongoing throughout the day. Paul called it praying without ceasing that we learn to walk in communion with God on a daily basis. That our first go-to is to, to, to prayer when things hit us and, and, and just, God, I need you in this moment. God, teach me in this moment. God, show me how to respond in this moment. Lord, move in my heart today. We have to learn to rely on the Spirit, learn to trust Him in all areas of our life, in our relationships, in our occupations with our finances, with no matter what we're doing, that we would learn to rely on Him. The second thing is the Holy Spirit will help us to share our faith. How does He do that? As we grow in our relationship with Him, He shows us how to interact with the people that are around us, when to speak and when not to speak, when to just simply walk with somebody and love on them and care for them, or when to show the right scripture or to share with them the deeper thing. He helps us to share our testimony by us listening to Him and guiding us through that and being open to situations, being led by the Spirit, maybe to go to talk to somebody you've never talked to before, but God has ordained that moment. Those happen more often than we realize. 
that we learn to rely on the Spirit to share our faith. And the third thing is we must strive to mature in our faith so that we can know the deeper things of God. The deeper we go in our relationship with God, the better we're going to be at all the other things. The better we're going to be at sharing our faith, the better we're going to be at guiding people towards a deeper relationship with Him. Remember, our number one goal is to be disciple makers. We're to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, mind, body, and soul, and we're to love others as ourselves. We're to go and make disciples to care for them. And as we mature, we will be better disciple makers. Not better Christians. Not have all the answers, but better disciple makers. You want to know the true, the true heart of somebody that I think makes Jesus smile? Is somebody that's really good at sharing who they are in Him. And drawing other people to Him. Not somebody that can quote every scripture. Although that's a, that's a great thing. Not somebody that can sing a great solo. Although those are awesome blessings and they do bless other people. But really somebody that can show who they are in Jesus. And how... So other people want to have that relationship. So other people ask those questions. I think that's what marks a true, true disciple maker. And that's what I want us to be. I want us to be disciple makers because if we're disciple makers, we truly change this world. So I want to challenge you today. Take steps to rely on the Holy Spirit more. And if you don't know what that means, ask questions and look it's not as simple as just saying hey do x y and z it's part of learning how to interact and have relationship with god every relationship has a rhythm in our lives and when you first meet somebody there's there's a little bit of awkwardness in getting to know each other but as you get to know each other a little bit better then you respond to each other differently same way in our relationship with god the more we spend time with him in prayer and in his word and around believers that can pour into us the more we get to know who God is and we, it breaks down some of the awkwardness and it becomes a natural part of our lives so that relationship becomes central to who we are. And then when that happens, we learn to trust Him more. We learn to trust Him in our finances. We learn to trust Him in our job. We learn to trust Him in our relationships. All of those things work together when we rely on the Holy Spirit, not just on human wisdom. Rely on God's Word and who He is and allow the Holy Spirit to make it real and understanding in our lives. That's my desire for you today. So let's pray together and let's ask the Holy Spirit to work in us, to help us to mature and to grow. And maybe you're watching this and you don't even have that relationship today. It's very simple to just ask God, Ask Jesus, man, forgive me for my sins. I know I need you. Please come into my life. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. He will honor that prayer. And then begin to know who he is and allow the Holy Spirit to grow in your lives. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that you want to have a relationship with us. That you care about us so much that you gave us your own spirit to teach us, to, to show us how to live, to have communication with us. And Lord, help us to learn to listen. Help us to learn to understand. Help us to know how to respond to your voice 
how to be obedient. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow and to mature into the men and women that you've called us to be. Lord, help us to be disciple makers. Give us the ability to love those that are around us the way that you've loved us and the way that you love them. Lord, go before us today, I pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We love you and we thank you and we'll see you soon.